On today's installment of The College Loop, we've got Zach Blackerby of the Auburn Daily and host of Locked on Auburn. Talking spring football, talking running backs, wide receivers, everything you want to learn. You've got Auburn softball taking care of business at J.B. Moore Field. Baseball with a sweep over Lipscomb. Basketball, looking forward to that SEC tournament matchup with Arkansas and so much more. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The College Loop. Hey, you know what to do. You grow. You know what's right. 19, 16, I, don't, I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the College Loop Podcast, your number one spot for all things Auburn athletics. Episode 32, the Sam Sherrod episode for all you A-Day lovers out there. So... If you yeah, put it backwards, that's 23. It's our Jordan episode, kind of. Or Ontario McCaleb, which <laughs> the better athlete. Let's do. No, just kidding. But, yeah, we have a great interview coming along with Zach Blackerby, who me and him went back and forth a little bit on some Auburn comparisons uh, that he seemed to like. So y'all will like it, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, I am, again, joined by Mr. Harrison Tarr and Daniel Locke in an episode right after we were all in the same place. Now we are back in our three separate locations. So how y'all two doing this evening? I'm doing, doing great, pretty man. good. First things first, Mr. Tarr, happy birthday. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I, no no better way to spend my birthday, the evening of my birthday, than on the loop. And I mean that sincerely. I love what <laughs> I do, man. I love what we get to do. This is a ton of fun. And we've got a really, really fun episode and a great interview. Uh, our guest, Banter with Zach Blackerby. My favorite thing to do is banter with Zach Blackerby and bother him. So we got to do it on the air, which is a ton of fun. And uh, Dylan, uh, Daniel, thank you very much. It means a lot to me. And I appreciate it. I got to spend, uh, both of you guys got to spend the weekend with y'all and uh, ring in 23 the only way I knew how uh, by watching the Tigers. So. <laughs> All right. So to get started with football, we have a great spring practice uh, overlook with Zach Blackerby. But I we're going to start off talking about the combine with just us because I'm the only sicko that I know of that sat down and watched the combine uh, just because I love the sport of football that much. But yeah, on Sunday, we got to watch Tank Bigsby try out his hand at of all the drills. And he was listed at six foot tall, 210 pounds when he was measured. And he ran a four, five, six, 40 vertical jump of 32 and a half inches, broad jump, nine foot 11. And he did, him he did 21, bench press which i was not able to uh track because i thought they were over with it but 21 on the bench press that's two less than what colby wooden did but again bench press isn't really a strength thing it's more of an endurance thing because just sure. how many you could do at one given time <clears throat> but from what i've heard tame bigby had a really good combine i don't know how far up he jumped in this running back room because i know a lot of other guys really showed out jameer gibbs another guy i've heard about which hurts a lot of bama fans but helps a lot of georgia tech fans Probably not helps him a lot because he dipped on the team. <laughs> no, no, no. Georgia Tech claims him. I can, I, from an insider standpoint, Tech claims Jameer Gibbs. All right. So if Jameer Gibbs is being an MVP candidate, expect Georgia Tech to claim him like Alabama fans try to claim Jalen Hurts. So it's along the same line. Except for that. he spent, never mind. It's exactly like them claiming Jalen Hurts. Never mind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but with that, yeah, he a really good combine from all of these guys, really. Uh, I've heard Anders performed pretty decently i didn't i wasn't able to see some of his drills and of course kickers don't really run the 40 i think one punter and a long snapper did which i was heck like, yeah okay. i would do it why not i mean yeah why not just uh the punt be a be next punt god but <laughs> their own coverage imagine dude the punt, <laughs> punter leads special teams and tackles <laughs> exactly but yeah uh so we're gonna cut to our interview with zach blackerby and you can catch all the information of Auburn football spring practice overviews on the Auburn Daily. And of course, you're going to hear it all from him here. Yes, it is now my pleasure to welcome onto the show, longtime friend of the program, first appearance on the College Loop, leader of the charge of the Auburn Daily, host of Locked on Auburn, Mr. Zach Blackerby, all around legend. How are you doing today, man? It is such an honor to be on the loop with, uh, with all of you fine gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Dude, it is our pleasure. We're here. We're ready to talk some Auburn football, some spring ball. I know you don't do that enough. <laughs> I know that, that you're probably you're, you're waiting for somebody to ask you about it. I know that you're not you're not getting enough reps in elsewhere. 
let's jump right into football, guys. And 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 Blackerby, you've been really on as as Daniel goes, I guess turns his fan on. Must be getting over overheated here. And Blackerby, you've really been on on the on, on the case here with with spring practice, and and you've been you've been hitting it hard. Who's trending up? Who's trending down? What are, what are some names to watch before we kind of get into the rest of this? Yeah, I think offensive linemen, right? That that group of five starting offensive linemen, and it doesn't seem like there's been a whole lot of shifting. I mean, of course, the, the media window, we only get to see like 20, 25-ish minutes. But just talking to folks that are there for the entire practice, it doesn't sound like there's much substitution happening with the starting offensive line. You're seeing that in a lot of different other positions. So, you know, Dylan Wade, the transfer from Tulsa at left tackle, the transfer Gunner Britton from Western Kentucky at right tackle, and that center, the transfer from East Carolina, Avery Jones. He physically really, really impressed me. I think he's an NFL center after this season. And then the guards, uh, Cam Stutz at right, and then on the left side, Tate Johnson, who was Auburn center for a chunk of last year before going down. I think that will eventually be Jeremiah Wright, but I think those are the guys that are trending up as far as guys trending down. And, and I hate to do this so early in spring, but I don't think the quarterback situation is great. Gentlemen, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not sold on it. I don't think this coaching staff is sold on it. And I think we'll learn more about that situation throughout spring. And then ultimately in that may transfer window, whether guys stay or, you know, who else comes in. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick a position that's trending up, it's O-line. And I think the quarterbacks may be trending down. You know, that's one of those hard conversations that, that, that Auburn fans are, don't love having right now because you want to have a ton of a ton of faith in the raw athleticism. No one's denying the athletic capacity of, of Robbie Ashford. They yeah. were questioning his arm more than anything and, and and maybe a little bit of football IQ here and there. Let's let's go ahead and address that one. I know, Dylan, you've got a list here, but if this this was on the list. Let's talk QB battle Two okay. two two part question here. If you if if Auburn rolled out onto a field with this roster right now, who's the starting job? And number two, if they if this isn't the roster, is does Auburn is the quarterback for twenty twenty three on the roster right now? That's your second part. I'm sorry, I said that. A lot. Sure, sure. The, the the first part, Robbie would be the starter day one, and I think the order that they went through drills reflects that. And I think uh, I think Robbie I think Robbie's probably the best quarterback on this roster when it comes to team drills too. The, I think the team also I think likes Robbie the most. Just being honest, and then. The other aspect of that would be, you know, is the 2023 guy on this roster? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. If I had to bet right now, I would say he is not currently on the roster. I think there's a real chance TJ Finley transfers. Sure. Nobody wants to talk about it, but I think there's a real chance Holden Gurner transfers. And Robbie really kind of can't. Robbie's kind of stuck here. So um, it's going to come down to, I think, Robbie and somebody else in fall. That's just what my gut says. You're not going to say it, but I'm going to ask it. Where, where, where is he playing quarterback for this spring? This the the guy for 2023. I don't know. I'm not answering that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, you know, I you know I had to. You yep. know I had to. Yep. Floor, floor's open, Dylan. All right. So uh, yesterday, last show, we talked about the running back room. So, what are your current thoughts on the running back room? I know it's Jarquez Hunter is one. Totally. But to you, how does it plan out after Jarquez? Yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting thing because you've got to kind of pick a number two because, and there's arguments for all of them. Brian Batie comes in from South Florida. He's got the experience, doesn't have the size. How are they going to use him? And it looks like he may have been more of a special teams ad and then just kind of a third running back ad. We'll see. So then it's Damari Austin who's here and was here last year. I think Jeremiah Cobb has tremendous amount of upside. I think he has more upside than Damari. But he's not here yet. And so, like, what does that mean in regards to, like, reps and competition and, and things like that? So, I don't know. Hugh is very loyal to his dudes. And the only guy that Hugh has brought in currently in this room is Batie. Because, like, Cobb was committed before Hugh was hired. But I do think he and Carnell, like, the first day, like, full day of him being head coach, he was seen getting breakfast with Cobb and Montgomery, like, you know, just a few hours after his press conference, he probably went to sleep and then woke up and drove to Montgomery to meet with him. So he's a priority. So I'm almost okay counting Cobb as one of Hughes dudes. And so sure. I, I think that's going to be an awesome battle. Uh, Damari Austin and, and Jeremiah Cobb, that's going to be a lot of fun. But right now I think, I think it's Austin at two. And then, um, I don't think you can redshirt Cobb though. So like, I, I think you may have Cobb and Batie returning kicks which I think is fun. I think it's really easy to get excited about that. So, um, but you, you've got to find a way to, to put all four of those guys on the field. That's a, 
I'm interested to see where Brian Matee, where he plugs in. And and I'm I'm a loyal listener of the Auburn Daily Show. This is not just me me hyping you up here. I go back and forth about whether or not I agree with you about Jeremiah Cobb minutes. Uh, I I think that you can't burn his redshirt. I think he's way too talented. Mm-hmm. I may be higher on Demari Austin than a lot of guys. Uh, I think that he can do sure. a lot of special things. So is that split minutes at the beginning? I mean, I mean, not minutes. I'm talking basketball lingo here, but yeah. split downs. Touches. It's March. It's touches okay. at, yeah. the, at the beginning of the year there? Uh, I don't know, man. It's so, so tough because with the amount of options in this backfield, like I don't know how many minutes – I'm doing it now. You're contagious. Tar. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, contagious. It on me. it's March. It's crazy. Um, I, I don't know how many touches there are for both of them because you got to think Jarquez is going to get 12 to 15, right? Sure. But T, I don't think he's going to like necessarily be a Dubai. I think he's going to get three or four, right? Like, I don't think that's crazy. I don't think you bring in a guy with one year left of eligibility and not use him. That'd be odd sure. unless he's just seen as a kick return guy, which he may be. He may be, and if that's the case, I think it really opens up, and I think this answers the question, but I think he's going to get three or four. And so then it's like, how many realistically are you going to have open after that? Are you fighting for like 12 carries a game right there, and sometimes more of those are going to go to Jarquez. Sometimes you may pass the ball more. Um, you know, if Robbie starts, he's going to get a few of those carries. So I, I don't know. I, I really don't know because, like, is it worth having Jeremiah Cobb on the field for, you know, two handoffs a game? Like, it might be. It might be just because he's probably not going to be here four years anyway. But, you know, uh, when I talk about the running back situation on my show and and Tar, you keyed it up there, like with the whole, I'm not down on Damari. I think they're both really, really good. I just think Jeremy. I'm not being accusational. I'm not accusing you. Sure. A lot of people are, though. So I'm addressing that. But, you know, I I think they're both just really special. And I think Jeremiah Cobb's like an NFL player. I'm not ready to say Damari Austin's an NFL player. That's all I'm saying. Sure. I, I get it. I don't dispute it. I, I, you like clickbait. I like clickbait. We have to put it out there sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> you got you got to, you got to throw it out there. And Daniel, Daniel's probably got a little more clickbaity questions for for you for you here. Not actually genuine questions. We wanted to talk ball, and I get my I do get all my on field information from from you guys. So this is this is where I'm I'm learning all of this from the from the film room. The title Daniel, of the show: Two Auburn podcasters fight over Demari Austin. Yes, yes, and and just just a really really piss poor Photoshop of you and I just boxing. That's right. It's, That's right. I'll, I'll send y'all a picture of me uh, squaring up so y'all can Photoshop it. I'll be Mayweather. You be you be you be Paul. All right. Anyways, <laughs> Daniel, floor is yours, man. All right. So, Zach, can you just kind of, like, tell me about your thoughts on the receiver room? Um, mm. Who are you high on? Who's kind of been a little disappointing if someone has? And just kind of follow that up with who you think is going to be playing where? Yeah, so the the starters that we saw in the in the media window, if, if Auburn was in a four-wide receiver set and started the game off that way, here's who I think the starters would be. The far-left receiver, I think, would be Camden Brown. The slot to the left would be Javaris Johnson. The slot to the right would be Coy Moore. Then your far right outside wide receiver, I think would be Nick Mardner right now. Nick Mardner and Malcolm Johnson Jr. were rotating in on that far right spot. Um, I'm not sure what the verbiage of that would be. I think in a lot of offenses, that would be the Z receiver. So we'll see how they label it when we learn more about this team and this offense and how it's run. But uh, it's it's big. The Rivaldo Fairweather, big number 13, who looks like a receiver because he's so stretched out, but he's massive um, in the middle of the field at tight end. So I, I think that's what you're looking at. A lot of size, Daniel. I think you got a lot of shiftiness and explosiveness um, in the slot. And, and I'm curious to see, you know, as far as how this offense operates, do you move your receivers around? Like, will we see Coy Moore, Javaris Johnson on the outside? I kind of hope we don't. That's something that we saw a little bit last year is guys tried to do a little bit of everything. But I think mm-hmm. some of that was because last year it seemed like if you pick 10 Auburn receivers, like your top eight were slot receivers. So that, that right. may have been why that they did that. The roster looks a little bit different now with Camden Brown, Nick Marner, Malcolm Johnson Jr. So um, as far as who's trending up, I mean, I, I can't get over how good Camden Brown looks, especially in that new number four jersey. Um, yes. Kind of makes you th- uh, forget about Tank Bigsby pretty quick, which I never thought would happen. And then um, – I really haven't heard a whole lot about anybody else, if I'm being honest with you. Why are we quiet? on I, Now, I know, I know this is probably going to be fit, fitting more in the, in the tight end room. Where's Landon King fit in here? Because all I all He only took about. snaps at outside wide receiver, to my knowledge, so far. Okay. Yeah. And, okay, that's 
no, no comment here. I'm the neutral one on the show. Dylan, go ahead before I say something I shouldn't say. <laughs> uh, real quick, I'm glad oh, to hear sorry. that um, Nick Martiner appears to be getting some reps because I was really high on him coming in. So I hope that continues. He's big. He's big. And somebody asked um, Freeze after that practice about like catch radius. And like that dude's long. I mean, he's a little lanky, but he is he is a, a long fella. And so when, when you talk about, you know, questions at the quarterback position, you need guys with a bigger catch radius. You need that target to be as big as possible. Sure. So, um, you know, can Nick Martin consistently haul that in? I think that's a little questionable because he's not an elite receiver. Right. But if he could be Auburn's number three guy in, in the receiving game, um, I think that's huge. I think that's a big portal win for uh, for Auburn and Martin. It's okay if, if Nick Martin's average. If you're the third wide receiver, it's okay to be average as long as you're consistent. Like that's that's kind of my my thought process on that. And you do something that no other receiver, with the exception of Camden Brown, can do on this roster. Like you offer size. Sure. He, and he's so big, and he's he's pretty fast too. I mean, that's kind of how he attacked defenses when he was with the Bearcats at Cincinnati last year. Like he got behind dudes. He didn't necessarily like moss people and win 50-50 balls which is immediately what you think when you look at somebody as big as him. Sure. And so, I mean, I, I'm not saying you like make a game plan specifically for Nick Marner, but if you're a safety, you're pointing out where he is before the, the ball is snapped, which is, which is super, super valuable. Cool. Right on. Dylan, I know you want to talk big boys. Yeah. Uh, before I get to the big boys, I have to question the, the Landon King because he's been my favorite player since, you know, a day of 2021, just because I, is he, is he not performing up to speed? Is there an injury? Cause I love Nick Martin. I've been comparing him to Quentin Johnston this entire off season, hmm. but the size, the speed and everything, but Landon King is kind of like my, my baby right now. He's, he's the, my breakout choice for the season and all that jazz. Yeah. Dylan, I think you need to walk up to him and call him your baby and just see what happens. I was thinking that. Yeah. I'll see walk. what happens. Um, and video it because I, I think that would do great for 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 the YouTube engagement. This There's no question about shorts. It. Um, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and look, I mean, I'm just talking about what we saw in that 20 minute window, right? And yeah. and uh, it sounds like he's done a little bit of. There's been I forgot who, where I either saw this or who told me this, but there's been a few meetings where like he sat in with the tight ends. It sounds like, but for the most part. Um, for for the most part, yeah, he's been an outside wide receiver, and he was specifically behind Camden Brown in the drills that we saw this past Monday. Blackery, this is why we bring you on. This is these are the questions we need answered. Just because Dylan doesn't like your answer doesn't mean it's not true. Um, it it I would may like... not be. It may not be true. It may not be true. Maybe, maybe it's a big smoke screen, and Hugh Freeze listens to the loop because we've seen him retweet you guys a ton. So no maybe he's listening. Fan of the program. Yep. No question about it. No question about it. So. Yeah, maybe um, maybe that's the case. Maybe that's the case. So we'll see what happens with that. But I'm with you. I, I think wherever you put Landon King on the field, he's going to be he's going to be used at a higher rate than he was in the past. And I do think to, to Dylan's point, like you know, he was planning on leaving, and then Hugh went into the portal to bring him back, and they talked about Evan Ingram. Well, Evan Ingram was not a wide receiver, as we all know, at Ole Miss right. under him. You know, he he was used as a tight end. So we'll see. We'll see exactly how all that works, but uh, it looks like Rivaldo Fairweather and then Luke Deal and and uh, Tyler Fromm are, are are kind of the the one two three at tight end right now. Sure, yeah. Dylan, big boys. I know you're there. Yeah, I gotta gotta go with the big boys up front. Uh, I get on the tar all the time for sunshine pumping with basketball, but I tend to sunshine pump a little bit with this offensive line Love because it. I've been very high. I've said this is going to be the best offensive line Auburn's seen since 2017. Agreed. And that Gunnar Britton is going to be the best offensive tackle Auburn's had since Greg Robinson, mm -hmm. if not potentially better. So I just want to know what your thoughts are on the offensive line thus far. And is Gunnar Britton him as we all know he is? Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I said the same thing, Dylan. So I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. But, you know, I did say that before we saw where they all lined up. Gunnar Britton was recruited to be left tackle, and he came in after Dylan Wade. But it sounds like the coaching staff pulled him aside and talked to him and said, hey, you know, we're going to put you at right. We're going to put Dylan, which you've pointed out on the uh, the Auburn Daily podcast, that Dylan Wade spells Dylan wrong, which I'm glad that you're standing up for yourself. I think that's really, really big, um, and I respect the heck out of it. Um but yeah, so Dylan Wade being at left tackle and Gunnar Britton being a right tackle, that surprised me. I had those guys flipped um, throughout the entirety of the offseason. And it, like I said a second ago, like it doesn't sound like they're really moving guys around. And, and there haven't been a ton of practices. We'll see um, what all that looks like. But those two guys seem to be pretty solid there. I, I, I'm not expecting a whole lot of competition across the offensive front. 
Okay. I, I have a follow-up. I don't have the rundown. Dylan, I need to talk linebackers for a second here. Blackerby. Um, it, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. We, <laughs> it's we, a we, tricky we, room, man. I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and put it in black and white. I don't understand it. I, I really don't. I'm, I'm confused here. Who's in, who's out. Do the coaching, does the coaching staff know who's in, who's out? Like what's I going I, on? I don't think so. I, I don't think that they know yet. And it seems like that's the group that's rotating in and out the most in practice throughout the first week. I talked to some folks like, okay, who's the starting linebacker based off of reps. I've had some people tell me Jake Levant and Wesley Steiner. I've had people say Wesley Steiner and Eugene Asante. And I've had somebody say Jake Levant and Demario Tolan. Take that with what you will. That's based solely on like the amount of reps that they're getting. So none of those would have been my guess. I would have guessed Demario Tolan and Austin keys with cam Riley rotating in. Um, but that's, that's not what we've, we've seen so far. That's not what we've seen so far. There's a very key name missing in, in all of those. Robert Woodyard, is he transferring more to an edge rusher or has he kind of fallen behind in the depth chart a little bit? No, he, he's rotated in. Um, do y'all remember what his number is? Uh, it was 17. 17, yeah. So they've played him next to 12, which I believe is Austin Key. So they've those two have paired together. Okay. Gotcha. That that makes Dylan feel better. He'll be able to yeah. sleep. I, I write down the numbers when I'm when I'm charting stuff. So sure. I'm like, well, what's his number again? Yeah. So 17 is next to 12. Most, whatever. Whenever he's been in. Yep. Whatever works for you. Also, are there too many DBs in this team? No. No, there's not enough. There's not enough. There's not- I mean, when you look at the corners right now, there's only really four outside corners. And so, I mean, you've got the obvious two with DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett. Right. And then Kay and Lee is turning heads. And was actually told today that there's a solid chance Kay and Lee fights for a starting spot, which I would assume would be with Nehemiah Pritchett opposite of DJ James. So that'd be exciting. My boy. And who's the fourth one? JD Rim is the fourth one. So after that, all the corners that are currently coming in, they're scheduled to be on the 2023 roster. They're coming in the, in, in the summer. And so sure. they're not going to be going through spring. So you probably need, you probably need more outside corners. If I'm being honest with you, uh, but man, you've got a lot of safeties. You got a lot of guys that could, you know, work out at, at nickel. Um, and it doesn't seem like they're really moving a whole lot of those guys outside, which is probably the right move. But um, hey, another name that I, that I've heard good things about that kind of disappeared when we're talking about DBs, Craig McDonald, the former Iowa State guy who True. I rated him as my top incoming transfer last year. And then like nothing, nothing. Um, so it uh, sounds like he's made a few plays. Go ahead, Dylan. All right. So with Kyan Lee turning heads and Kelly Falk, of course, being the Goat. outstanding crew he is, which of those two freshmen do you think is going to be the first starter on a game day roster? Kane Lee or who? Uh, Keldrick Falk. Who? Uh, Kane Lee. Yeah. Kane okay. Lee. Just because you start two corners. So, yeah, yeah sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go with him. And I, I don't see – I think Keldrick's going to play a lot, and I think you could play multiple jacks at the same time. I don't think anybody's going to hop Elijah McAllister. I just think they brought him in to be a, sure. be a, be a, a stud. And they've rotated a lot, and he it sounds like he's in – with a lot of reps that, so yeah, this uh, tape I, I is good. I think it's fine. I think it's fine, but I, I think he, I think he's going to be better in this system than he was at Vanderbilt. I mean, it's tough to excel. Um, it's tough to excel as a good defender at Vanderbilt. So I am as critical as it comes to, to film study, but when I will, when I see someone play for Vanderbilt and, and, and against SEC competition, yeah. I have to, he, anywhere else is an average tape. I, I I bump it to good because he has the SEC experience now, but also cool when you mm-hmm. when when you're doing the best with what you got, and I like what Clark Lee's doing there. Don't get me wrong, I actually really do like what Clark Lee's doing there. Last year was a train wreck, regardless. I mean, better, but like the program's a train wreck, and uh, I I was I was pretty pretty high um, coming in. Question for you about Nehemiah, my boy Nehemiah Pritchett, real quick. Okay, does he have the potential to be the most improved player on this team from year for, from administration to administration? Because I kind of think he does. For hmm. if, you, if you go from Harson to Freeze, he got better when Harson was gone. Every... I don't think Nehemiah Pritchett's a bad corner. I, I, don't, I don't either. Think, I don't either. I don't think he's a bad corner. I think he was used wrong, and I don't know how much bump and run stuff we're going to do on the outside, but like that's who Pritchett is. I mean, he's fast, right? And so, like when you use these bump and run dudes, like he can use his speed to kind of correct if he has a misstep because he's going to be faster than the guys that are in front of him. So, depending on how he's used, sure. I don't know if he's going to be the most improved defender. I don't know who that would be. Uh, Cam Riley could be that. 
There you go. If he's, if he's given a chance or any kind of linebacker that was on last year's roster, Dylan Brooks could be that guy. Sure. Craig McDonald could be that guy. Um, but I mean, I guess in theory, Nehemiah Pritchett could, but man, if I, I think Nehemiah Pritchett's fine, I, I'm not as down on Nehemiah Pritchett as most people. I, I'm not either. I, after watching, if you, if you look post Harson departure to pre Harson departure, Nehemiah Pritchett's not getting burned as much. And I don't know if it's something different in practice. His first step yeah. is better. His, his, his move, his lateral movement is better. And, and I don't, I, maybe I'm just reading way too deep into this, but it almost felt like he was kind of set free. I know that's such a lazy analogy there, but I thought he played better football and, and well, got better as the year went on. Well, what else happened in the defensive backfield when that happened? Jalen Simpson moved inside. You're right. So the, the, the rotation changed too. And so, you know, maybe he felt more comfortable with Jalen next to him. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but uh, he, he did look better towards the end of the year. I'll give you that. But I think the whole defense did. Oh, agree. Agree. I just, Dylan and I have been talking this year. I think, I think the Nehemiah project could actually have some serious draft stock at the end of this year, at the end of 23. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I'm totally cool with that. And, and, and that, that's, I, I guess that may be what I meant more so than anything. I, I, I think he's got a super high ceiling now. I think that he was he there was a lid on that basket and I, and I think it's been taken off a little bit now whether even wow. if that's just a year to year reset I, I think that there's just a ton of, of of upside there so yeah I mean how how a lot of these pieces are going to be used is going to be vastly different I mean Ron Roberts runs a, a different type of thing than what Schmetting did sure and then, you know it's obviously a lot different than what you know Kevin Steele did defensively but before that and so this is going to be a new defense that we've never really seen anything like this at Auburn before because when Auburn's had good defenses they've done it really just with talent and I think Roberts historically when he's had good defense he's done it with scheme and he's never really had both and I, I don't know if he's necessarily going to have both this year but he will depending on how long he stays here and so I, I think that's something that's going to be exciting to see wreaking havoc is something that Auburn has only been able to do with having guys like you know Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson or you know, Jeff Holland having a freakishly good year or, you know, Carl Lawson and, and Mon Adams or whatever that may be, um, just being better than the guys they lined up against. I don't know if scheme really helped them that much. I think Ron Roberts is actually going to help scheme these guys to be better players. So Pritchett could be one of the many benefactors of that. Sure. Sure. I was just just fodder, right? Just just food, food for food for thought. Dylan, go ahead. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, go back with the scheme. I mean, when Baylor was at their best, Ron Roberts' defense forced so many turnovers. And you're looking at the number one and two corners for Auburn, DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett. I've mm -hmm. been looking at those that combo as the Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean year, where both wow. those guys end up going in the second round. And or I think Jamel Dean went in the second round with uh, Carlton. Yeah, se separate years, though. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, separate years. But mm -hmm. and they're still balling out together in Tampa. Right. And I look at those two and I, I see a lot of, of those two in these two. And with the scheme coming in, it benefits the secondary a lot. And I mean, it doesn't get better than Albert's secondary. I feel like sometimes who's who in that comparison, who's Jamel I, and who's, I think Jamel is DJ. I like DJ's man coverage. Like I like Carlton's and Nehemiah Pritchett and Jamel Dean are, I think Jamel's faster, but I think I see a lot of Nehemiah Pritchett because Nehemiah Pritchett had to, had to uh, develop a little bit more as a uh, coverage guy like Jamel Dean had to. Okay. All right. Uh, I like it. I like it. I don't think those guys are there yet, but as far as a comparison, oh, yeah, I see where you're coming from. That Boy, wouldn't that be nice to have that tandem again? Oh, yeah. Dylan's pulling out the analogies when you come on. This is this is, this is is new. Thank you, Dylan, for, for I have this. A, I have a doctorate in football. That's why I uh, <laughs> talk about it immensely. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Zach, did you get a chance to watch any of the combine this past week or watching the recap? No, uh, I I have not. I have not. Um, my second kid's going to be here like any day. So we've been like packing bags and going over stuff a million times. And sure. so, yeah, that's that's where the priorities have been. Man, I, I love the combine, though. But, yeah, I, I didn't get to watch much of it this year. Well, first and foremost, congratulations from the college. Thanks, buddy. We're excited for you, man. Thanks. We're, we're yeah. pumped up. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Just out of curiosity, we, we know Derek Hall's probably first off the board. Which Tiger going into this draft, and then we're going to let you go. Uh, if it, not named Derek Hall, who's going to make the NFL team the happiest? Man, I don't get why Colby Wooden's not getting more love. I mean, you talk about versatility and just overall upside and team first and character. Like, I, I, I think he should go above Derek. If I'm being honest with you, just as far as 
what he's able to do and like what you're going to be able to get out of most of a, uh, most of like the most out of a roster spot. I think Colby Wooden's exceptional. And I talked to dudes who like, um, you know, scouting and all that. And I'm like, well, I've asked them like point blank, like in mobile and stuff. I'm like, why is Colby Wooden not getting as much love? And these are NFL teams. They're like, I don't know. I don't know. So I, I don't know what to do with that, but <laughs> the scouts are like, yeah, I don't know why he's not getting more love. So um, I, I think that may be one that uh, he may go earlier than a lot of people predict. Cool. Dylan. I say I currently have Colby Wood as a second round guy. I think it's going to be Derek late first, early second uh, round two. You're going to see Colby Wooden go. Uh, I said three to four Papo uh, three to seven really is, is my tank Bigsby. And I feel like that's going to be an yeah, going to be like five to seven. Yeah. I talked to Eku down in mobile a lot. And, um, I was like, where do you think he's going? He's like, dude, I have people tell me third. I've had people call and tell my agent six. He's like, dude, I, I've been I've been told all over the place. And I'm like, well, I hope it's the third option. That'd be great. He's like, dude, me too, man. Me too. <laughs> I mean, what a great guy, Eku. And like, I don't think we really got to know, like we being like Auburn people, I don't think we really got to know Eku because he's kind of like a soft-spoken guy. And so they didn't put him on the podium a whole lot because, I mean, it takes a minute to really kind of get him talking. But sure. What a what a great like human being. Uh, I, I wish I wish we would have had him longer than just two years because he's he's a great human. There's no doubt about it. Also, would have loved for him not to get banged up in 2022 because he's a hell of a football player. I mean, if you put if you take the second half of his first year and the first few games of his second year and like make a full season out of it, it's like it's pretty remarkable. Like what he did, tremendous. I mean, yeah, it's just we never really got a full a full season out of him. Sadly. Yeah, I'm I I don't I don't disagree. I think Echoes is is is. I guess a sleeper pickup and, and someone will, he's, he's going to make an NFL team very happy. Uh, I also no reason I have any bias, but I think oh, Pat Bush is it's going to be a little bit of a steal, but that's just me. Sure. 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 No, no reason on that front. Blackerby, let everybody know where they can find more of your work, support you, love you or not listen to you if they don't want to. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I, I hope you listen or watch locked on Auburn available wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube, new shows dropping every single day. And uh, all of our written work is at auburndaily.com. Zach, thank you so much for coming on the show. Dylan, I'll let you do the little jumpy jump. All right. Love you a long time. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all. And I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to Spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Yes, big thank you to Zach Blackerby, a really great dude, great analyst, just flat out good at his job. And uh, it's always a special treat to be able to spend some time and, and talk ball with him, just uh, someone I've looked to, up to for a very long time. Let's talk basketball, guys. Let's bring it to the hardwood. All three of us were in attendance for Auburn's massive W over, over Tennessee on Saturday. And we talked about that on the Sunday episode. Really building momentum. I, I think the Tigers are locked in. In my opinion, I think they're locked into the yeah. big dance. I, I think that that's, that's pretty safe to say. You're for sure locked in if you take care of business on Thursday against Arkansas. This is a team that looks, Daniel, you mentioned it on Saturday night, I believe, or on Sunday, the Sunday show, rather. This team looks different. This Arkansas team is not the same team that Auburn had its way with uh, Neville Arena earlier in the year. Right. Walk me, walk me through what Auburn needs to do to take care of business in the first round. I don't really think you have to make that deep of a push in the SEC tournament, personally, I, I don't. I do think you need to win a game. Yeah. So, for me, the biggest thing kind of riding on the SEC tournament for Auburn, since I don't think they're going to win, like, just being candid. I don't think either of you guys do either. Uh, the whole tournament? Right. No, no, not at all. Okay. Um, Right now, the biggest thing I feel like Auburn's playing for is to play the um, first two games of the NCAA tournament in Birmingham sure. is the biggest thing riding on this right now. So what, whatever it takes to make that happen, I believe they would need to be a, a seven seed would probably do that. Um, so in order to get there, I think you need two wins. Okay. Uh, 
I, I think you need to win Thursday. And I think you need to win Friday. Then whatever happens Saturday happens. And if they are playing Sunday, I think they could be as high as a five or six seed. I really Agreed. do. Um, but just kind of starting with Arkansas, you've got to get out to an early run. Um, that, that's something that Auburn's gotten better at as the years gone along. Sure. Uh, I remember in those um, non-conference games, I feel I think it was Colgate or South Florida. They just came out absolutely flat, and it just felt like one of those games. Like, oh, we should be killing this team, and we're just not. Um, you've got to start start out strong, which, like I said, they've been better at. Um, you can't blow another seventeen point lead with nine minutes on the clock. I'm not going to sure. die further into that, but you just kind of what the things that happened on Saturday against Tennessee. If you just kind of replicate that, I think you're in good shape. Um, 24 from Wendell. I feel like I don't think you need that per se. I mean, it'd be nice by all means, but yeah, just solid play. Uh, you don't need anything crazy. I don't disagree. I'm with you. Probably need two wins to, to make the magic happen and be able to play in Birmingham. If you win one, everything else is gravy. That's kind of my, my mentality. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I think you're in anyways. And Dylan, I, you're, you you may even be more confident than I am about that. I think you're in anyways. But winning never hurts you. <laughs> Under no. no circumstance does it hurt you. And if this team pieces together a little run, I mean, they, they could find themselves playing on Sunday. I don't think they will, but they could. I mean, we've seen crazier things. Look at what Georgia Tech did in the ACC tournament two years ago. And I, I, I know this is a Tech callback. But, like, they, for no reason, just won the ACC. With, quite frankly, not a lot of talent. And, and we've seen crazier things happen. Look at the SEC Women's Tournament a couple years ago when Kentucky was really, really bad and just won the tournament. We've seen crazier things happen. I don't think Auburn's got that capacity because I think this is the most level playing field uh, that we've seen in the SEC in, in quite some time, it, just, just to be candid. But I think that your biggest challenge to get to Sunday, and, and this is me kind of taking it in a different direction, but also kind of staying on the same topic, I would not be as worried about the Arkansas game as I would be a potential AM game. That's you've got to worry one game at a time. Sure. Understand that. If you beat Arkansas, your reward is playing a team that you have been swept by this year. A team that Bruce Pearl's historically not good with a coach that Bruce Pearl's historically not good at defeating. If AM were, were to just kind of body you for a third time this year, that might be the biggest late season cause of concern, barring a 17 point blown lead in the Alabama game. I mean, that, that really is, is, is the big question mark. That would be the telltale of, can you make adjustments, right? The, the chances of running into a repeat opponent in, in, in March madness, much more slim, not out of the picture, but slim. If you can take care of business and show that you can adjust this week, there is reason to believe that this team could be a sweet 16 team. I'm really not over-exaggerating. I don't think that that's unreasonable. Beyond that, it gets kind of weird. I did want to talk to you guys. We, t- we always talk Auburn-centric, and, and, and we're not really here to dissect a ton of other stuff. Alabama's clearly the team to beat this weekend in, in Nashville. Is there a team that could quite possibly win the SEC tournament not named Alabama? And I think there's a couple. Yeah. Daniel, um, go ahead. Tennessee could. Kentucky could, AM could. Um, I think that's it. I I would agree to 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 that sentiment. I wouldn't rule out Auburn. And 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 I and I like I said, I don't I don't think that they're they're going to win the SEC tournament. I think there are five teams that are serious contenders, and I think Auburn's at the bottom of that list of of, of teams that could win the SEC tournament. Guys, I got a hard time believing Tennessee's not going to bounce back. I, I, I just, I, I find it hard to believe. Rick Barnes had his guys in that game at Neville Arena in the most hostile environment that that arena has been this year because Auburn needed to win so damn bad, and they kind of didn't flinch. I know that they didn't win, but they didn't flinch. Now you're missing Zakai Ziegler, which he's kind of a money machine in March. Dylan. Is there a team not named Alabama, you know, other than Tennessee, maybe comes to mind? If Tennessee's your choice, that's fine. I think there's a handful of teams that could win this SEC tournament. Yeah, I'm looking at the bracket as we speak, and I was going to – in a second, I'll talk about Auburn probably having the hardest route to getting to 
the championship game of the tournament. But I'm looking at teams like uh, Texas A&M. I think they have the players in mind right there. Kentucky, I think they're back on the uh, upward uh, incline for them. And you know what? I'm kind of I'm going to keep an eye out for co coach of the year Jerry Stackhouse and the Vanderbilt Commodores because sure. you know, why not? They were they were right in the picture there last year, and of course they don't have Scottie Pippen Jr. anymore, but they have the defensive player of the year and Liam Robbins on that team. Sure, but for Auburn, it's you you got to play your best basketball over the next four games. Because, well, you're past the point of being able to play sloppy basketball at all. Oh well, yeah, you're gone. That that ship is sailed. But you have. Arkansas on Thursday, Friday, you got to play a team that's your kryptonite with Texas A&M. And then right after that, Kentucky more than likely. And then you get the, the repeat of Alabama. So you get a, Arkansas, the team that has gotten way better since you beat them. The team that swept you twice already, the team that beat you by 32. Sure. And then of course, another team that swept you. Sure. So for Auburn to win, I it's, it's, Little a little pass just playing your best basketball. It's you're gonna have to play perfect for four games, and that's Auburn getting hot at the right time. And that's when the tournament team should probably keep an eye out because right now, from what I see from the seeding, Auburn is listed from an eight seed to an eleven seed based on what me and Lance Dodd talked about in the Auburn Daily Show today. Go watch that if you haven't already. But if Auburn finds a way to win out this tournament, of course you move to the five seed. And I've gotten mad at Auburn fans before. I've gotten mad at Tar. If Auburn goes into this as a five seed, there's going to be a lot of comparisons being drawn to a former Auburn team that was a five seed going into the tournament and that won the tournament as SEC tournament as well. So a lot of talking points going on with this Auburn team. Daniel, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I caught a stray from Dylan just there, but that felt a little uncalled for. I'm going to I go mean, ahead and earn that stray. I'm going to earn those, it. Those comparisons don't do anybody any good. Um, okay. I mean. Fair. It's sort of like the Cam Newton curse. Sure. Um, that's that's what Dylan said. Jeremy Johnson, or hey, just no of, Jeremy Johnson, uh, uh, slander, slander on this podcast. It wasn't slander. I was just saying that he was compared to Cam Newton, and then Joe it's an unfair Cameron. pedestal, right? Yeah, it is. So if okay. it's, if it happens, phenomenal. But just. Yeah. All right. So I get in trouble for sunshine pumping on this show. I do. So. What am, gonna licks. What, am, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to sunshine pump for, for, for one second here. If there's one intangible about beating Tennessee uh, that, that really should give Auburn fans hope, and, and, and I play devil's advocate for football. Uh, I'm sorry. You, you play devil's advocate for basketball, Dylan. It's just how our dynamic balance is out yeah, here on this show. <laughs> if there's one intangible that I don't think we can express enough, Auburn looked at a winner go home game on Saturday, did not bat an eye, came home with a W, did not matter how they did it. Every single game that Auburn will play for the rest of the season is winner go home in some capacity. If, if you, if you don't beat Arkansas, you, you go back home and you regroup for the tournament, more than likely. Sure. At least the NIT. I don't think that that's in the cards. I think it's the NCAA tournament, like I said, but you're going to play another game regardless it's winter go home. You get to that round of 64, it's winter go home from there on out. AJ Rivera said it the best. And and I won't I won't ex- disclose his barn uh, his his uh his burner account. I almost said his barner account, which is the same same difference. <laughs> because I know, I know he would like to remain anonymous on that part. But AJ Rivera said a, a great point to me at lunch on on Saturday after the Auburn Tennessee game. Once you get to March, the first team to win five games. Once you, once you get to March Madness, it's the first team to win five games, and it really doesn't matter how good you were beforehand. It's a clean slate. Auburn should use that to its advantage because there are going to be plenty of people that have counted him them down and out. And at one point of this year, one of us on the show was already ready to do it. <laughs> I've stayed steadfast. Daniel has met, remained on uh, in, the, in the middle ground on my camp. Daniel's been a little bit of Switzerland, and I appreciate that. We needed that. I wouldn't, I'm not throwing in the towel yet. There were flashes, and the rotations have been better. Say what you want. This past week has been the best Auburn basketball we've seen in a long time. You from the, start, from the starting five, though, yes. Sure. Uh, here comes Mr. Debbie Downer, bench points my ass. 
you, you there, there, there are people that step up in March Madness. There are people who are fold under pressure. This team didn't fold on Saturday. And that's an immeasurable. Another team that didn't fold. Let's keep moving, guys. Let's keep moving. Auburn baseball didn't blink this weekend. Nope. Three games, three wins. I know you had to walk it off on Saturday. At some point, a W is a W is a W is a W. We say it on here all the time. You got the sweep on Sunday. You walked it off on Saturday. The offense is clicking almost to the point where Butch is probably ready to be like, okay, we're almost ready for SEC tournament. Not SEC, SEC play, no, excuse me. Still in basketball mode. Did that in the interview earlier. Happens. <laughs> the pitching rotation on Sunday, the pitching group, they impressed me. Holding a team to three on Sundays is pretty uncommon. Guys, is this team starting to level out? And I'm not level out, but reach. Okay, we know who we are now. Daniel yeah, I be- or Dylan, whatever. Go ahead. Yeah, I, believe, I believe so. Uh, I'm looking at the pitching staff and looking at how well they played on Sunday. And you got to, guys, you got to remember Auburn's down their best pitcher until I see conference play starts in a couple of weeks. So we're not going to see Joseph Gonzalez until I, Arkansas is our first conference opponent, I believe. I believe that's what I've heard. Arkansas, Arkansas on yeah. March 17th. St. Yeah, Patrick's Day. Yeah. So where are you green? You're going to be Kelly Green all over the place. Uh, so Auburn is going into next and into five games in six days this week without their best pitcher. There's going to be all no holds barge on Alsip, on John Armstrong, on Drew Nelson, on Ryan Olson, even. Like all those guys are going to be getting those quality innings pitch. And I mean, all eyes on Auburn right now for that pitching staff. Hey, John Armstrong, man. I mean, this kid's oh, Im- Im- impressed me to this point. He's already four out of his mind. He's he's pitched twelve innings and he's given up four earned runs and uh, pitching to an ERA of three. Greg Olson said it best. He's going to be able to bounce around in this bullpen. And if this is your early season non-con showings, when you're trying to like work through your mechanics and get your get yourself composed, this guy's going to be tough to hit, specifically for righties. Now we we Greg brought up a great point and spit some facts about lefties being able to see the ball a lot longer. It's just math. In science, <laughs> it, it just makes sense. But this rotation has 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 impressed me, and and I don't want to let it slip between the cracks about what Zach Crossfield did on Sun on Saturday. You come in as a true freshman, you throw four innings, you give up two earned runs. Guys, that's a very solid debut. That is completely fine at the collegiate level. I was impressed. Composure, pitch control, velo, all where you want it to be for a guy. I mean, you could reach for the stars, sure, but. That's where you want it to be from a guy that you're testing the waters and getting his feet wet. You don't want him, you don't, doesn't have to throw six innings. I don't know that many of the starters are going to have to throw six innings this year. But he comes in and, and he he really, for all intents and purposes, gets the job done, keeps you in the game. That's what your starters there for. I'm impressed, Daniel. Yeah. And um, just kind of before I get into that, like walk-off wins are always good. Um, <laughs> sure. No matter who it's against, I just – I like – I think it's always good to get those, like, ninth-inning comeback reps. Um, so, I was pleased to see that. But, yeah, bullpen looks solid. They really do, all things considered, um, as well as the whole pitching staff. Like, obviously, Gonzo is huge, and you need him back as soon as possible. You don't want to rush it, but just as soon as he's good to go. Um, but if they can perform like this without him – in good shape, and and that that continues to to build in your in your midweek games. Auburn's got a what you might call the the Alabama gauntlet coming up this week. Uh, they get to play host to UAB on Tuesday night. So to, as this show comes out tonight at six p.m., that'll be uh on Plainsman Park at Plainsman Park on SEC Network Plus. For those of you who want to tune in, I'm raising my hand because I will be tuned in. Very excited. I wish it was flipped, and this was the game in Birmingham while I'm in Birmingham, and then the I game where two teams play in Auburn is. They should have asked you. They should have asked you. <laughs> yeah. I'm not rude of them. And then on Wednesday, they'll head over to Jacksonville, Alabama and play Jacksonville State. I say it a million times on this podcast. I love when you play in state schools for your non-con games. Yeah, I, I, It's just good for athletics within the state and, and good to keep the money within the state and makes yeah. me feel um, mentally. I think it just makes more sense to me. And it's fun. It's fun for these smaller schools to get to play host to in Auburn. And, and then and, in addition to that, like these are good. These are good ball teams. Absolutely. Good, yeah. good clubs that can compete for their conferences and, and help your, your RPI. And you'll get to throw some arms. Knock on wood. Now, Dylan and I were there last year when Auburn dropped a game to Jacksonville State at home. It happens. But 
these are games where you're theoretically going to be able to test out some arms, see what works, see what doesn't work, what places in the lineup work, what what, what don't. And we'll talk later in the week uh, about this weekend's matchup, but just going ahead and looking ahead. Southeastern Louisiana, that should ring some bells because they were in yeah. Auburn last year for a regional. This is not a cupcake, and we talked about this with Lindsey Crosby, but it is also an opportunity to plug and chug, right? It's it's like when you're taking the SAT and, and you get to that, you know, you're, it's laid out where the, the math level gets increasingly harder as the SAT or ACT goes on. And you're like, all right, so now I'm at the point where I'm going to plug and chug A, B, and C and figure out what works. It's kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. Let's let's see if pitcher A works in this scenario. If pitcher B can pitch against lefties or righties the way that they pitched against them in high school or at their last school. This is it's like a science project where where it's trial and error. You have your hypothesis, you test it, and then you have you draw your conclusions and get ready for SEC. The SEC uh, conference play is your science fair display, and uh, I kind of like that little analogy actually. <laughs> I, I, that was off the dome too, man. I just, I just kind of came up with that. They're but this is known for their analogies. That's <laughs> you're so not wrong. I get it from Will Cruz. I get it honest. I can never be like that guy though. I'm excited, and Auburn fans should be excited for for this group because I, dude, I I think they could be better than last year. I I really do. I mean, if you want to use this as a transition point for a team that can be better than last year, I put the ball on the tee for you. Oh, yeah. And uh, like Bree Ellis in the first inning against Bowling Green, I'm going to take that and knock it right out of the park. Going to sure. softball, who is now 20 and two following their Sunday win uh, over Bowling Green, eight to zero in five innings, of course, as, you know, per use. And I am passing the torch over from me to my girlfriend, my beautiful girlfriend, who has never not witnessed a Bree bomb. She is now the good luck charm in her uh, conversion over to an Auburn fan. She's not an Auburn super fan. She has contacted Mr. Harrison Tarr about a potential B&B uh, in Oklahoma City. So she's all no holds barred, John Auburn, making it to the College World Series in softball. But yeah, great I, game. I great game against Bowling Green. Uh, you got both Maddie Penta getting her 11th win of the season. And if you're unaware of her record right now, it is 11 and Oh, so, and of course, Shelby Lowe also pitched that game. No runs are given up yet again between those two. Not ultra surprising, given the fact that we overheard some conversations uh, from, from the players after Saturday night's conclusion of, of, of the Saturday installment of the Jamie Moore Invitational, or Memorial, rather, where the girls were like, we okay, so we got away with a win here. Fellas South Alabama in a game that they know they shouldn't have lost. That's nothing against South Alabama. We've talked before. That's a good ball club. Yeah, that yeah. Is a, that's just a good ball club that's going to be very good in the Sun Belt this year. That was unsurprising that they they handed out a butt whooping on Sunday because that group knows they're they're capable of playing better softball yeah. than that. They're going to have to on Wednesday. Oh, for sure. And I, before we start start previewing that game, I just want to bring up something that if you weren't watching the game, if you weren't unaware of the game, if you don't know how good Brielis is. So in the second inning, bases loaded for Auburn, two outs. Up comes Briellis. And this pitcher for Bowling Green had every intention of walking her with the bases loaded. The Greg Olson, Barry Bonds treatment. But instead, uh, the ball got away from her and she hit Bree in the in the back. Uh, the pitcher is pitching a little slow. So it, it didn't hurt, probably didn't hurt that much, but it probably hurt a little bit. But you get a nice little get nice little run off of a hit pitch because that ball was not going over the plate at all. That pitcher was just trying to get it out of her way, which that's how good she is. If you're gonna walk someone with the bases loaded, that that lets you know that that should be the upstanding. Oh, I'm I'm good at the sport moment. Let me let me piggyback while you're talking about Briellas for a second. I don't want it to get lost in the sauce. What Carly McConaughey is doing this year, what Nelia Peralta is doing this year, what Lindsey Garcia, KK McRae, Jesse Blaine, Aspen Godwin, Isis Tresvik, the names go on and on. One to nine, your lowest batting average right now is 289, Isis uh, Tresvik, and she has trended upward late, as of late. This team is hard to pitch to. Oh, yeah. It's like I've said it before, I'll say it a million times. They're an above average fielding team. I, I, I think that that's fair. They are an elite level offensive team. And now you've got the arms to complement it. 
You look at what what Annabelle Wildra, Wildra's doing. Um, Wildra, excuse me. I'm gonna keep one. Say Wildra. I'm sorry. Annabelle Wildra's doing in the in the circle. We know what Shelby Lowe is doing in the circle. We don't know what Maddie Penta's doing in the circle. You got to play around with some other arms this year. You pair those two things alone, and you play average to above average defense. You're going to win a boatload of softball games. Yeah, and we we have to sunshine pop Brielle a little bit because of course she's been on the show. But seven home runs for Brielle so far this season, I and mean, I mean that's gonna go even higher. But right after her. Isis Lindsay Garcia. Exactly. Lindsay Garcia. Isis Sorry. has five home runs. Lindsay has four. Uh Nelia, Aspen, and Annabelle. Three amongst those. And I mean, there's not a single, I don't think there's a single starting lineup player that doesn't have a home run. Uh Carly McConaughey has a home run. KK McCrary home run. Jesse Blaine home run. And if you go further than that, uh Axe has a home run, which great nickname, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and my angle keys also has a home run. I mean, this team just rakes 22 games, 30 bombs. That's all we need to say. It's, it's, it's hard to pitch to this team and Georgia tech's going to have a fit on Wednesday. Now that's not a gimme game. That's let's, 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 let's remember you're playing a, a very above competent, <laughs> well beyond competent and, and, and above average Georgia Tech team, and, and I believe, check me if I'm wrong here, I believe that game's on the road where you're going and taking on Georgia, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll be running the Georgia gauntlet this 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 uh, this weekend. Baseball's running the Alabama gauntlet. Softball's running the, the Georgia gauntlet. Well, they'll they'll kick that off at, in, in Atlanta, in my old stomping grounds, uh, on, on Wednesday evening, or one afternoon, rather, one o'clock afternoon game since it's spring break. And then you'll head to Athens to take on UGA this weekend, which we will talk about on the Thursday show. That being said, I'm glad that Dylan picked this up. Welcome to the crap show of our first giveaway for the College Loop. We have an autographed Bree Ellis softball Auburn lo- Auburn stamped. If you want to show the Auburn branding right there, it's the official Auburn softball. I overpaid for it on the company card, which is also just my debit card. So we're giving this away on Twitter. Dylan's going to make sure we get some cool pictures up on it. We, I promise if you need authenticity, I'm sure someone's got the photo for signing it. You, you take our word for it, but I promise it's real. Um, <laughs> Bree, Bree has our back on this one. We'll be giving it away. All you have to do is make sure you're following and subscribe to the, the College Loop on all platforms. If you've got them, if not, we, we'll work with you. It's going to be a Twitter giveaway, but make sure you're following, <laughs> like, and retweet. And we're going to ask you guys who your favorite Auburn athlete of all time is. We want to know. I'm curious. I mean, that's a fun. We talk about our Mount Rushmore's all the time. It could be the best player. It could be your Bo Jackson's. It could be the most fun player. It could be a Leor Berman. It could be someone who's coming in next year. You could be really big on Jeremiah Cobb. That's cool <laughs> with us too. Just tell us which who your favorite Auburn athlete of all time or the or who you're the most excited to see in the future. And you'll get this Bree Ellis autographed softball if you are selected the winner. Like I said, it will be randomized. I mentioned this on the Sunday show. Daniel and I will make sure we pick the winner because Dylan would probably say, oh, wow, it's at your boy the tank. That's the winner. <laughs> no. But, so we, we will make sure that it is not rigged. Big thank you to Bree, by the way, for for hooking us up with this and and uh, being so generous. We, we appreciate the Ellis family and, and, and everything that they've done to support us to this point. Um, they're just a just a damn good group group of folks and 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 some people that just really love softball. And uh, talk talking to her mother was was uh, we learned so much about college softball and and we're we're fans of the game, but just getting to 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 interact with this family and learning more about the game has been nothing short of a privilege. Something else not than that's been nothing short of a privilege spending my birthday with you gentlemen. Thank you guys so much for 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 hanging out with me all the time and and I'm glad we're in this thing together to quote Troy uh, Troy Bolton from High School Musical. We're all in this together. I know I just made Dylan cringe, but I'm, I got to laugh out of Daniel. So that's all that really matters. Daniel, <laughs> let's start a little round. So letting everybody know where we can find our work and we'll get out of here. We I'm looking forward to seeing these people again on Thursday. Absolutely. So um, follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. You can find my written work for the Opelika Observer or any Auburn student media outlet. And I actually have a Briella's feature story that will be coming out on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. Very excited. Uh, always yeah. good to talk with Bree. So, yeah. Right on. I am Harrison Tar at by Harrison Tar. Like you read my byline on a newspaper at Twitter, uh, on Twitter rather. You can check out all of my written work at the Auburn Daily. I've got some NFL draft stuff coming up. Dylan's just now learning about this. He's learning as we're on the air. I will be handling the NFL draft coverage in tandem over at the Auburn Daily. He's giving me the side eye because he doesn't think I'm capable of doing it. I am built for this, Dylan. You can check out any more of my podcasting work at the Auburn Daily Show every Wednesday on and Friday, Wednesday with Dylan Lark, Lindsay. Whoop. How about Friday with the lovely Lindsay Crosby? I got ahead of myself there. Make sure you check out all of that work over there at theauburndaily.com. Super fun. Really looking forward to a lot of cool stuff we've got coming up this spring. Eight days around the corner. Frank Thomas statue unveilings around the corner. 
A lot of fun stuff coming up on the loop later this week too. Dylan, I had a big spiel today. I'm sorry. It's yours, man. All right. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at your boy, the tank. That's at Y-A-B-O-I, the tank. Also catch me on the Auburn Daily Show every Monday and Wednesday. Catch yesterday's episode where me and Lance Dodd talked all things Auburn in the SEC tournament and NCAA tournament. And of course, Wednesday's episode where, I mean, me and Tar don't really know we're going to talk about just quite yet, but I'm sure we'll find something about Auburn related to talk about. Of course, follow the college loop literally everywhere. That's Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. We are now on Google Podcasts, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Amazon Music. But we are not on MySpace quite yet. So sad. But with all that being said, the college loop podcast.